brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The podcast critics have spoken. Has this guy ever actually interviewed anyone before? And? Wow, that was long. And? I don't have time to listen. Very busy. Sounds like this podcast isn't winning any awards anytime soon. Uh, he did win an award in 2011. Stop living in the past. What else with Corey Mann? Wherever podcasts are sold. Isn't it free? Part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Pop Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that once considered doing an entire episode of just the sounds of sloshing water, but remembered we weren't Alfonso Cuaron, it's Pop. You can make it work. He can. Welcome to Sif Pop streaming live on Spreaker every Saturday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Water slush. I'm Aaron Dicer, and he's my lovely and always incandescent co-host, Andrew Ormsby. Ahoy. And each week we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. How you doing, my friend? Good, and you? I, I'm doing well. Yep. I'm just hoping my voice doesn't reflect a little bit of the the sinus stuff i've got it's going not on. picking up on my end it's not picking up i <laughs> caught that well, no that's actually just my midwestern accent well done saying, mr ormsby no that was not intentional you're such a booger all right hey uh hey listen you, you knows what you knows yep. um so we are going to have a great show today i'm gonna have a blast <laughs> talking about roma and into the spider verse and you've waited so long to talk about roma i, I just now realized it, how no, long it, you've has waited. Been, it has been a hot minute yeah since i have seen this movie and have been dying to talk about it i was so excited when it came out on netflix uh, a couple nights as we're recording this a couple nights ago because I was like, okay, a lot more people are going to see this now. I can have conversations with people. I've been DMing people about their thoughts and it's just, it's been great. I've got feedback now and 
and uh, other people to talk to about this movie. So, uh, so yeah, so we're excited to talk about both of those movies. Of course, we'll have some buried treasure at the end. Uh, we've got a cool Sift Quest uh, today about canceled yeah. movies. Uh, so one thing I love about Sift Quest is sometimes they'll send me on a research journey, mm-hmm. you know, where I'm like, I don't have anything that comes, not a lot that comes to mind right off the top of my head. So I'll kind of Google stuff and figure stuff out. I was re- I was really into you know, figuring a lot of these out and kind of finding some of the interesting movies that, that have been canceled, you know, so yeah, it's going to be a fun conversation. We'll get to that as well. Um, but let's kick it off with some Do We Care, Andrew. Every single week I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world. I picked, <clears throat> now my throat's clogging up. <laughs> Transfer. <clears throat> yep. Uh, I picked three topics for us to discuss and we must decide whether or not we care about them or not. Number yeah, one. Let's do it. Craig Gillespie, director of Itonia, will be directing a misunderstood villainess Cruella de Vil film. Well, that seems to fit. Yeah, so uh, what was, uh, uh, they did the Maleficent movies. I thought his name was Gillespie. You're probably right. Okay, I, I'm not sure, I'm never sure about this Gillespie, stuff. Gillespie, Gillespie. When, whenever I mis... Gif, Jif. Right, whenever I mispronounce something, I'm always like, you know what, I should probably be more for pre- professional and look this up, and it's just like... Nah, there's not it. enough time in the world Own for me to ignorance. look up every single name. So I'm just yeah. trying to get Quaron right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Alfonso Quaron. Uh, so, yeah, Gillespie, Gillespie, whichever it yeah. is. Giraffe, giraffe, gorilla, gorilla. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. But yeah, so a Misunderstood Villainous film, another one. Uh, I could see Maleficent made sense to me, you know, because, right. you know, evil sorceress, you know, it's interesting to see how she got there. But for a. Mass carnage of dog killer lady. I don't see how that's really appealing. I don't want to see how she got there. Unless uh, yeah. the Devil Wears Prada is technically the Cruella Deville intro film. Yeah, I, I don't know how. I I don't. You you have to change her actions. Yeah, that's the only way she's redeemable, right? Like yeah. The only way that that is a villain that is misunderstood or redeemable is if she isn't the villain she's shown to be in the, the original movie. Yeah. Because that person slaughtered puppies yep. and used their pelts for her own wardrobe. Yep. That is not a person who will be easily redeemed. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I think they'll, they'll have to change things out. Uh, you know, it's always wait and see with me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, see yeah. what the movie is. See what they decide to do with it. Um, I'll be interested then. Yep. Number two. Bring it on. Duke Nukem film slated for 2020. And people who are not me are very upset about it. <laughs> You're not upset? No, not at all. Uh, well, I'm not either, but that's because I have like zero connection to Duke Nukem. Sure. I get it. Have you, You've played the game, I'm assuming? Oh, uh, yeah. I love them. Is it more than one game? Uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch, actually. Because I remember there was like a, wasn't there a Duke Nukem game that was on the slate for, it's like, it feels like there was a Duke Nukem game. It was game. on the slate for seven years. Yeah. That was and it finally came const- out. Oh, it did come out. And okay. it was really bad. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. So why are people upset? Uh, just because they're like, oh, really? It's going to be 2020. You got to be more careful about the kind of content you put out. Because, you know, it's not very PC. It's not a PC uh-huh. game at all. And that's all Twitter was whenever well, I looked what, it up. In what way isn't it? He's PC? very misogynistic and it's very okay. 90s in the sense that, you know, women are very voluptuous and, you know, not really represented as anything else besides sexual objects and stuff like that. Well, that's and not he, okay. No, I'm okay. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, 
Yes, don't try. I'm not saying that I think that's okay, no, but know, I'm just saying this is the style of the game. Sure. And I'm not just change up some of that stuff, and sure. you got a good, fun. You know, get Dwayne the Rock Johnson or uh, John Cena would be a really cool Duke Nukem. That's what I was gonna say. Look, if you can make Cruella Deville, <laughs> yes! figure out a way to make a movie about her. No, why didn't I see people <laughs> flipping out about that on Twitter? And people are getting mad about Duke Nukem. You can, you can shift the character not to be those hideous parts of our historical, exactly. You know, viewpoint on things. Yeah, I think I think you can shift it. So yeah, but I, I mean, I get you know, in, in one way though, it is people saying it better not be like this. You know, it, it is people just saying, I hope this has changed. It's not woke enough, according to the youth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he's got balls of steel. I love, I love Duke Nukem. It was one of the funniest games. Yeah, I've never, never played it, never seen it, so I am uneducated and ignorant okay, on this take, topic. Take the Expendables and I have mold, seen the Expendables. Mold them all into one dude. Okay, and make him a dude. Okay, like oh yeah, like okay, and he has like the persona of well, think of um, of uh, Randy Savage. Well, I was gonna say, think of Predator, the original Predator. Yeah, there's a lot of awful stuff in that too. You know that those guys say and do. Oh and, yeah, you know what I mean. Like you're right. It was uh, unfortunately an accepted part of you know. Well, you wouldn't have called it bro culture back then, but you know, no. just kind of an accepted part of beefhead. Yeah, that kind of thing. So machismo. Yes, machismo is a perfect word for it. Yeah. So so yeah, I think you just kind of have to figure out a way to to do it differently. Yep. You know. I'm so. excited though. Um, it could be really fun. Maybe, maybe just have it be a Cruella Deville, v you know, Duke Nukem, Duke Nukem shared yeah. universe. I, I think, think we're well on our way. I think actually, now that I'm thinking about it, if they try and insert Duke Nukem into this modern era, yeah, like literally take that '90s character and put him in, like everybody's like, "What are you doing? You can't right. say stuff." That could be really funny. Fish out like, of water. Like, do a 21 Jump Street sort of version of uh -huh. Duke Nukem. Yeah. Do I'm the, in. The fish out of water kind of story. Yeah. yeah. That could be really fun. That could be. That yep. could be a lot of fun. Yep. Number three. Bring it on. Jordan Peele is going to be bringing us Candyman, Candyman, Candyman in 2020. Really? 20. 2020? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In wow. 2020. We have to wait 20,000 years. years? Yeah. That's amazing. I know. Technology got, must be advancing. I uh, know. Well, do you remember? Okay, this is really off topic. Do you remember that uh, John, uh, John, oh, got the crazy long name, they did Inside John Malk Malkovich. Yeah, yeah. That John Malkovich filmed that movie that's not going to come out for, I think, 100 years or 500 years, something like that. I have like no that. clue what you're talking about. Yeah, he filmed, okay, so it was this uh, gimmick thing that uh, Malkovich did. He filmed, he has a film out. Okay. It's completed and done, but it will not be released for, I think, 500 or 100 years, something like that. I haven't heard of it's this. It's in a this vault. fascinating. Yeah, it was uh, last year sometime, or the year before, I can't remember. Is he just, he doesn't want people to see it until then because it's too personal to him? He wants to be dead? It was a campaign for some, like, product or whatever, like, the future is now or something like that. And huh. it's supposed to be a look at, like, what we expect the future to be and, uh, and then whenever it's actually released in the future, like the year that it's supposed to take place, people can be like, oh, wow, so that's what they thought the future was going to be like, yeah. so, something like that. But anyway, back to Jordan Peele, Candyman, we got way off topic there. Sure. So, but yeah, he definitely proved his chops. I think he's only producing this now. Okay, uh, that makes more sense to me, because the only thing I heard about was, is it called Us or something like that? 
that he's doing and it does look like a you know horror film so okay. maybe he's kind of landing and locking you know locking and loading in the horror film genre or something yeah which actually would kind of be a bummer to me because he's so talented i want him to do a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. um i wouldn't mind another keanu movie yeah sure yeah well he just acted in that right and wrote right didn't yeah. they write and act in i'm that? okay with him acting again yeah you know? sure of course <laughs> yeah man i'm not gonna put jordan in a box <laughs> It's a good idea. Yeah. I don't think you I don't put, put anybody baby in, in. I'm not going to put Jordan in the corner. Baby Jordan in the corner. Baby Jordan in the corner. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. But no. Uh, did you ever see the, the Candyman movies? I uh, know. Okay. Yeah. No. I assume it's about an, a nice, lovely, older gentleman who sells candy to children and Yep. And nothing is nothing is horrible or tragic or awful. Nope. You're 100. Good. 100. Just like I assume the movie Lawnmower Man is about somebody who helps out by, you know. Mowing his neighbor's yes, lawns for him. his neighbor's grass. Exactly. So. Gosh, I have not seen Lawn. <laughs> that is a deep pool. I have not seen Lawnmower Man in forever. I don't think anybody's seen Lawnmower Man in forever. Yeah. I, I, that seems like a shared universe to me. Candyman and Lawnmower Man and all the mans, all the mans, Demolition Man. I literally watched Demolition Man like two days ago. I love that movie. Yeah, I really do. It's so fun. Slender Man, which is just about a nice, kindly gentleman who's lost a lot of weight. Yeah, you know, I understand these movies. A, I get what they're about. He's a, a P90X graduate. Really, <laughs> he used to be really big, but now he's a Slender Man. That's right. Yeah, I totally get it. Yep. Well, there you go, man. That's gonna wrap it up for Do We Care. Thank you so much. I'm ready to talk some movies. Yeah. Uh, let's kick it off with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Ladies and gentlemen. My name is Miles Morales. Brooklyn! I'm the one and only Spider-Man. At least that's what I thought. You ever hear of the Super Collider? You're going to love this. Dimension opening now. You're like me. That's impossible. Bitten by a radioactive spider in the subway, Brooklyn teenager Miles Morales suddenly develops mysterious powers that transform him into the one and only Spider-Man. <laughs> when he meets Peter Parker, he soon realizes that there are many others who share his special high-flying talents. Miles must now use his newfound skills to battle the evil Kingpin, a hulking madman who can open portals to other universes and pull different versions of Spider-Man into our world. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. This is Sony's attempt to do a Spider-Man movie without Marvel in some ways. Uh, Sony's attempt to do an animated Spider-Man movie. Uh, And I guess the question is, did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Really liked it. I am firmly in the loved it category on this. I I had a feeling. Oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah, I had so much fun with this. Yeah. Um, I I would like to start just talking about the animation style. Yeah. If you don't mind. Uh, I haven't seen anything like this. Epilepsy warning. <laughs> well, there's definitely a lot going on. Yeah. And I will say, really the only negative I'm going to talk about, so I'll just throw my con out here and we'll just move on. Yeah. The only negative I'm going to talk about is that the background often in this movie looked like they it was were... blurry, like it was supposed to be 3D, but it exactly. wasn't. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. It looks like, and I don't know if this is intentional, but it's distracting in a couple ways. One is it's just distracting because it's weird, Yeah. You know, which is fine. A lot of this movie is, is weird animation. I actually dug a lot of it. 
But it's also distracting because you're right. It looks like 3D without your glasses. Yeah. And so part of your brain is distracted by the fact, wait, did they accidentally put the 3D print in? People in my theater were like, is this wrong? Should we say something? Right. But then other times you're like, okay, but that part there is clear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you can have clear in 3D. Like anything yeah. that's that's supposed to be at the reference point zero looks clear. And then anything behind it is progressively separated into the two, you know, right eye, left eye kind of thing. Yeah. And there there was a lot of this movie. The thing is, it wasn't the whole movie. There were backgrounds that were also clear. Yeah. And so it it was distracting in that way. Yeah. Having said that and gotten that out of the way for me, man, is it gorgeous, though. Yeah. Like, I love what they're doing. And the fact that these different spider entities have their own animation style. Yeah. Which is very cool as well. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, I really, I liked the art style in the movie. It was definitely one of my pros. Oh yeah. It, it was great. Um, I'm going to go just with this whole cast because, you know, the culmination of all the different Spider-Men, you know, and Spider-Women, uh, yeah. uh <laughs> John Mulaney as Spider-Ham is amazing. It's so funny. Is that your just, favorite? Uh, I don't know. Maybe noir Spider-Man. Nicholas uh, Cage. Nick Cage. Wherever I go, the wind blows. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's so perfect. That is perfect. It's perfect casting all around. Jake Johnson as so Peter Parker. Good. Yeah. Peter, Peter B. Parker. Yeah. Yeah, Peter B. Parker. Uh-huh. And, uh, oh, it's so good. I love that it's Peter B. Parker. I, uh-huh. I got to look up, see who the original Peter Parker uh, is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we can, let's talk about that in spoilers. Yeah. But I can tell you who it is. Um and oh well that's cool right yeah yeah we'll chat about that in spoilers yeah um just just for reasons yeah. but um I didn't even realize what I was saying until no, was no no out. no it's okay <laughs> I, could, I could hear it catching your throat a little bit so yeah. may, maybe Phil will bleep whatever he needs to bleep to not spoil anything yeah. there thanks Phil um <laughs> I actually don't know that you spoiled anything yeah. but you're right the cast down the line is amazing Haley Steinfeld is great oh yeah uh, Glenn Stacy Mahershala Ali. Is in here. Mm-hmm. Leah Schreiber is in here. Brian Tyree Henry is in oh, here. Oh, he was so good. Lily Tomlin is in here. Uh, Catherine Hahn, uh, yeah, is in here. Uh, like it just down the line, there's all this incredible talent, and I like Shamik Moore, uh, who plays Miles Morales in this. Oh yeah, uh, he's wonderful. I really enjoyed him in uh, what was the dope. He's he's great in Dope. Dope wasn't... Uh, I didn't down. like Dope. The Get Down is what I really enjoyed his performance in. Um, so, yeah, lots of great acting work going on here. Uh, some... Also, uh, you know what? There's there's two kind of cameo voices that I'm going to wait till spoilers to talk about. Okay. Uh, one of one of them we may have kind of hinted at. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one we haven't said anything about. And then and we can talk about those there. But just great performances down the line. And here's the thing. Normally, I would be upset with a cast like this because if it's an animated movie, I always lean towards get voice actors instead sure. of actual actors, you know, because, you know, they're, they're pros at this. But every single person pulls it off in this movie. Well, and that's the key, I think. Like, you don't... The key isn't to get unknown voice actors. The key is to get people who match the character. Yeah. And I feel like this movie handles that very well. The voices they put in these people feel like the right voice for that character in this movie. Um, Jake Johnson, especially. (laughs) Such a perfect Peter Parker version. Yeah. uh, I just... I absolutely love it. Oh, yeah. Uh, other pros you want to talk about? Um, 
the action in this movie whenever you can see what's going on. Because yeah. sometimes it does get, you know, so much going on screen you can't really follow. But, like, there are some set designs in this, like, the different scenes where they get to do all their, you know, spidery stuff. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, man, doing it in this place is going to be so fun. And then you just, you know, happenstance, they find themselves in goofy things that just, it ends up being hilarious. Yeah. And it's a fun story all around, too. Well, that's that's one thing I would definitely put in the pro column is the fact that this story is very well constructed. The idea of who Miles Morales is is well understood. His character is so fully developed. You understand where he's coming from on, on everything, his relationship with his father, with his uncle, you know, where that where that goes. Uh, all of that is is inlaid brilliantly. The callbacks are all worthy callbacks. You know, like when the story says, oh, we're going to call back to this thing that we set up earlier. Mm -hmm. It feels right. Even if you saw it coming, like even the... Uh, one of them specifically I didn't see coming, uh, but a couple of them I did. But even though I knew they were coming at some point, that it was going to call back to this lesson he learned or this thing that he did, it just it felt right. It was the perfect time and it was the perfect moment and the emotion was there. And I just I think this story is, story is handled very well. So um, I obviously know a bun bunch about comics and stuff. Yeah. And uh, this movie has a lot of stuff like the Miles Morales story and stuff like that. You're somebody who doesn't really read comics Correct. at all. Correct. So were you able to keep up with everything in the story? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't lost at all. Okay, because like, I don't know if you know, Miles Morales is a very famous Spider-Man. Yes. Okay. I mean, I know that now. Okay. I, I've known that since uh, Donald Glover, Donald Glover. was talking about being Spider-Man at one point in his you know history. Well, actually, Miles Morales in the comics is um, designed... After Donald Glover, like he was the uh, inspiration, like the physical inspiration of how right. Miles Morales was supposed to look and everything. Um, but yeah, it's a great story. And finally, we don't have to sit through the whole origin story of Peter Parker anymore. You know, yeah. new Spider-Man, new origin story gets to be fun. It is. Uh, I won't say that. No spoilers. A, l a little bit. It's technically not. Well, I guess it could be. I would just say this. There's a lot of uh, meta stuff going on here that is that is really funny. Yeah. And that's a tough balance to pull off sometimes because you can get distracted by it or pulled out of a movie because of it mm -hmm. um, if it doesn't work. But I think I think it works okay here. Uh, there were a couple moments where I was like, oh, that's a little inside jokey, you know, a little bit too much. Um, but as far as most of the meta stuff, and I get, we'll, we can probably mention some specific jokes and spoilers. I don't want to give away a joke here if you haven't heard it. Uh, yeah. Um, but I, I thought they were clever and funny and, and interesting. So so I thought they handled that really well. Yep. Anything else you want to mention in the pros? No, I'm good on pros. I think the, the only other thing I would mention uh, in the pro column is the emotion of this to spend a little more time on it. Um, I found the father-son relationship as a dad of four sons to be really compelling. And yeah. just what these parents are trying to, you know, give their child and how the child is trying to adjust and adapt and understand. There's a moment early on where the son asks the father a question and the father doesn't have a piece of information that the son has. Yeah. And his answer is simple and clear and, and, and is true to himself. The father's answer is true to himself. 
but it is emotional to the son in a way that kind of devastated me because it's that thing as a dad where you the words you say, you know what you mean by them and what they mean to you, but you don't always know what your what it means to your kids. You know, and you don't always know what they're thinking. And it just captured that so well. Yeah. That I, I just think there are those moments, you know, with the the dynamic with that dynamic in this movie that, that are really powerful. I wasn't expecting this much out of this film. You know, I was expecting based on just the buzz for it to be fun and, you know, you know, fun to look at and good action. I wasn't expecting it to be as meaningful as I found it. So that was that's always nice. Because that means a lot to me. I yeah. like, you know, that's one of my big things is that a movie can mean something. Uh, so I was glad that that stuff was here. Yep. Uh, what other cons do you want to talk about? I kind of mentioned my only one, really. Well, that is a con, and honestly, it is the only thing that's keeping me from loving the movie. So it was a bigger con for you, probably, than me, because I found it pretty easy to... Uh, not for me. Like, it was it was way too distracting. Like It was really distracting, yeah. Yeah. Um, there are some characters... It's just a weird choice. Yeah. It's just such a Why weird choice. Why make it look 3D yeah. when you don't... It... it there's no way you could watch that in a in an editing booth and say, "Oh yeah, there." You would notice, like, okay, yeah, that looks like people are going to be questioning if they need 3D glasses or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are some character choices in this movie that I okay. um, was like, uh, uh, "Doesn't make sense for you to do that," but it's kind of minuscule, I guess you could say. Right. But other than that, no, it's a great movie. Yes, yeah, it's. it's- Definitely I imagine really cool. I imagine after multiple viewings because I do want to watch this again. Spider Man's one of my favorites uh, 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 superheroes, uh, so I definitely want to watch it again. I, I assume after I watch it multiple times, that won't bother me as much. It may have just been a mindset that I was in, you know, when I saw it. Where Where did you see it? What did What kind of screen did you see it on? Just an Alamo. Okay, I saw it on IMAX. Oh, okay. Um, and I, I think because it was so big, it was even more mm. possibly evident. Uh, also because I knew in my head that the next screening at that IMAX was a 3D IMAX screening. Mm-hmm. And so in my head, I, I really was thinking for a while, oh, they just put the wrong print on. Yeah. Um, man, that's that's unfortunate. But I, yeah, I'd, I would love to be in somebody's brain about that choice. Yeah. It just seems like such a weird choice. Uh, I'm excited to talk spoilers about this one. So yeah. we will have a Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse spoiler cast in your Sif Pop podcast feed. <laughs> Uh, as well as uh, the next movie that we're talking about. We'll have a spoiler cast for that as well, because we'll need some stuff to talk about. Oh, by the way, real quick, I really was not joking about the whole epilepsy. There is probably a good epilepsy, you know, seizure warning for Spider-Man, because there's a lot of... I haven't heard anything yet. Yeah, there's... I remember when Incredibles 2, you know, had to issue the warning or whatever, and I haven't seen anything like that. There's some flashy, flashy stuff going on in this movie, too. Yeah. So it's interesting. Speaking of that, I guess we can finish our conversation with Incredibles 2 versus, you know, Spider-Man for best animated film of the year, because that is the contest. Yep. Um, and if you'd have told me that there would be another movie that I actually would be considering putting above Incredibles 2 in the best animated, that would have been a huge shock. Yeah. Uh, so I am hugely shocked because it is worth being in that conversation for sure, even for me, yeah. who loves Incredibles 2 as one of the best movies of all time. Um, so I think I'll have to watch it another time to really... Because I've seen Incredibles 2 now, what, four or five times? Yeah. So I'll need to watch it a couple more times to really be fair. I'll probably still have Incredibles 2 above this one. I probably will too. Yeah. Um, but it has surprised me that it's even... 
a conversation I'm willing to have. Yeah. <laughs> so that should tell you something about how good uh, that I think that movie is. So yeah. yeah, definitely check it out. That's a huge recommend from uh, both of us. Yeah, oh, yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about Roma. Roma is a story that chronicles a year in the life of a middle-class family in Mexico City in the early 1970s. That's all you get, because <laughs> that's all the description is. Uh, this is Alfonso Cuaron, a very intimate personal movie to him uh, that he has put on screen honoring the life of his nanny growing up, his live-in nanny. Uh, growing up and I know they went to uh, great pains to remake his actual house growing up to rebuild it so that you know everything would be authentic and all that kind of stuff Um, it is on Netflix it is Netflix first real shot at a best picture uh, Academy Award and they're putting a lot of effort into that you may remember they flew me out to New York to see this movie several weeks ago yeah so I've been dying to talk about it yeah uh, but now everybody gets to see it because it is now out on Netflix. Uh, did you like it? Love it? Dislike it? Hater? It was just okay. Aaron, I got to let you go first because you've been waiting forever. <laughs> uh, I loved this movie. Yeah. It will be fighting for my favorite movie of the year. Okay. It will be fighting for the top 50 movies of all time. Wow. Uh, I absolutely think this is a stunning achievement in art. So is that enough hyperbole? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about why, but what did, how did you feel about it? I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Not to your extent. <laughs> I had I'm feel- glad you really liked it because honestly, this is the kind of movie I can see people watching and just hating. Yeah. Like, I, I really feel like this is a frequency movie. And I've talked about frequency films on, on the podcast before where if you're not tuned into what the direct, the frequency the director wants you tuned into it's going to be an awful time. Like you're just not going to have a good time watching the movie. Yeah. That's my problem was my problem with like killing of the sacred deer, like the, you know, yeah. Yargos Lathamos movie last year. I just I was not on that frequency. Yargos and I aren't on the same frequency. Yep. Um, but you and Alfonso, you, whew, you're dialed in, man. In this movie, it's nothing. Li- I shouldn't say nothing. Like there actually are similarities that I want to talk about, especially once we get to spoilers, I was going to say it's nothing like gravity or children of men, you know, that he's done before. Um, and when I say that, what I actually mean is it is so much more personal, personal and just a just a human story about actual human beings in the the things he's doing here. You know, I, I could probably just talk for 20 minutes and, and go I, on. No, man. no, 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 no. I, I really before I go off on all the things that I love, I really do want to hear like the stuff that you really liked about it. Okay. There is absolutely no epilepsy warning for this movie. <laughs> if, actually, if you're epileptic, this might be the perfect movie for you. Oh, man. Yeah. That, that, that's funny. That was really funny. Uh, no problem. That's why I'm here. Uh, it, it, for me, honestly, this movie is all about... I'm going to butcher her name, but it's an apology. It's Yel- Yelitsa mm-hmm. Aparicio. Mm-hmm. Okay. Woo! She's good. Yeah. Oh, she is so good. And this is the only thing she's done, right? This is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he, he went on a, a big search for somebody who could, from the area that his nanny was from, that spoke both uh, Spanish and also this Mexican dialect. And one of the things the movie does right away is it tells you the s- subtitles are in white for Spanish, but then this Mexican dialect, the subtitles are in brackets. Yeah. I, I thought that was 
brilliant because there are moments in this movie that depend on you understanding that they're speaking a different language than Spanish. And if you don't speak Spanish, you wouldn't ne- necessarily know that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was really interesting and, and powerful. So she's great. Yeah. She is really good. It, um, uh, another pro I have is the you can definitely feel the the links that Alfonso went to make this feel as real as possible. Mm-hmm. Like that entire, you know, I guess you could call it world building, you know, just to make it feel, even though the movie's in black and white, it just feels so real. And yeah. The black almost o- kind of like it's a documentary almost. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know. I wouldn't call it a documentary. It doesn't never feels like a documentary to me. It, what it does feel is super authentic. The, the camera is always in observation mode. Well, I meant know? like documentary and the fact that, you know, documentaries are real. You can definitely feel like there's right. no acting going on or anything right. like that. So that's what I meant by that. Yeah, sure. No, totally. It's, it's I think the reason I push back against that is just because so much of it is so uh, artistically done that I shouldn't say no documentary does that because, you know, certainly some do use. But when you're capturing, you know, real life footage, uh, you aren't able to sync up framing and sunsets and different things in the same way that this movie does you know airplanes <laughs> and airplanes yes exactly <laughs> uh so so yeah i i the authenticity in this movie is mind-blowing i totally agree with that that you you really sense that this was a real person in his life uh the story that she's going through and because of that all the parts of her story feel so much deeper and when there is you know something horrible that happens to her you're in it when there's mm-hmm. something joyful that happens to her you're in it and uh, he does such a great job at giving us an observational camera i don't know if you noticed this but the camera in this movie is always just steadily slowly panning panning yeah. and looking around i think there's two- so many long shots in this movie there's two moments, I think. I watched this again last night, by the way. Okay. Uh, there's two moments in this movie where the camera, it's still pan, like it's still moving yeah. side to side steadily, but actually fast. And they are both moments where she is experiencing joy or exuberance in running, you know, and so to keep up with her, you know, it's it's running with her. Yeah. Other than that, it is always... Steady, slow, and looking around and observing the house, observing the kids, observing what's going on. It's just in he's what he's doing is almost in many ways he's 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 stealing the tools that directors use to manipulate an audience. He does this by taking the color out of it, one, right? Like he steals the tool of color. No music. He steals the. I mean, there is you know music here. That well, well we should no talk score. about the sound. We're going to talk about the sound in this movie because yeah. the sound design in this movie is mind blowingly good. Yeah. Um. But and then he takes away the the quick any kind of quick cuts or things that you do to change it. Like even changes of pace. Like he he doesn't even use changes of pace in the cutting or anything to. It, it's just. I'm I'm just in awe of the fact that he was like, no, I'm going to tell a story and I'm going to layer it so deeply with emotion and metaphor and symbolism and beauty that it is going to captivate you um, just by the story and not by me doing any kind of camera tricks. I just I I think that's just phenomenal uh, to be able to pull that off for two hours and twelve minutes or whatever it is. Yeah, um, to be able to do that. So, but again, if you're not on the frequency. Yeah. Boy, is it going to feel slow. 
I know, and that was going to be my one con. Is my con is more of a disclaimer uh-huh. than a con. Is like this is not a movie for everybody. Yeah. If you are not into just a human story, you know, just telling, not even anything, you know, fantastical or mystical, but real. If you don't appreciate that for what it's trying to do, then yeah, you may not dig the movie at all. Yeah. I, I, I said this when I saw it. In fact, I will tell you this. The first time I saw it, uh, in in what I would consider a perfect viewing environment. <laughs> with Alfonso. <laughs> with Alfonso in the room. Yeah. And with the you know, a great screen and some the best Dolby Atmos sound I've ever heard. Uh, even in that perfect environment, for about the first thirty minutes of the movie, I I wasn't engaged. Really? I was like, what I like can we do something? Um, and I'm almost ashamed to admit that, but that's just, you know, I think my brain had to adjust to his language. It was almost like, do you ever watch Shakespeare, like original Shakespearean language? I hate Shakespeare. Okay. So original Shakespearean language, it takes me about a half hour to give myself to it. And then all of a sudden I, I like, it makes sense and it feels right. I almost had that experience with Roma a little bit where it took about a half hour. And then once it clicked in, you know, he, he owned me. And then when I watched it, I watched it again last night. It was for the whole thing. Like I knew that brain space already, that frequency already. And so I didn't have to adjust to it. So I don't think there's anything unnecessarily slow about the first half hour. I just think I needed that time to, you know, mentally adjust to his language, his, his visual language that he was, was giving me. So, um, but yeah, if, if you're not there, Mm -hmm. you won't be enjoying yourself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely. I also just appreciated, you know, him immersing myself in this foreign world to me, like so much that was going on around her, like, you know, politically or, you know, just culturally, you're like, wow, that's the way that it would have been handled in that time, in that place. Yeah. Because normally, you know, whenever I watch a period piece, like in in the 70s, it always takes place in the US, you know, Mm -hmm. so getting to look, you know, in Mexico, what things would be like there. It was it was interesting and unique and beautiful. So I loved it um, for that. I think the other thing, I, I there's so many things I want to talk about, but I'm going to bring up the symbolism next. And a lot of this will have to wait oh, yeah. for spoilers. That's why I was hesitant. <laughs> um, so I will, just, I will just say this over top of it. Um, I found the symbolism in this movie to be... Um, inobtrusive in other words it wasn't beating you over the head with it and yet in hindsight it was perfect and it it was one of those things where watching it again last night I was so much more aware of it and I just I just think it's a beauty he does a beautiful thing here he does with his symbolism exactly what you're supposed to do which is he's subconsciously teaching you something that he can't consciously tell you until it's time. Yeah. So, and, and he's doing this in, in little bits and pieces and little things. And I, I counted six very specific symbolic moments leading up to, a, a, I would say the, the I, there's two moments of big moments towards the end of this movie yeah. that, that kind of are, you know, mirrored together. Um, that I, that I think he is leading us up to with this symbolism and, Man, I can't wait to talk about it spoilers because then we can go into detail and talk about some of these these beautiful yeah. things. There's mirroring in the movie between the rich and the poor yeah. uh, that happens in very specific ways that that again is so beautifully subtle. 
And uh, because watching the second time last night, I caught more of them, you know, and uh, I just I'm I'm in awe of how layered he has made this artwork. Yeah. You know, and that's what it is. This is an art. This is a piece of art, right? Doesn't it just feel like that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this isn't spoilers. It's just an interesting bit of trivia. You probably know this since, you know, you were in New York and I'm sure Alfonso talked about it. But uh, apparently he gave for particular scenes, uh, he only gave people the scripts for that day on that day. So oh, they, interesting. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he gave people contradictory scripts, so they're like the characters would be confused or something like that. Mm. So it would be more natural and stuff like that. So like, uh, hype. Uh, it's not a spoiler, but like the kids arguing and stuff like that. You know, he told the kids, uh, no matter what, uh, don't stop fighting and stuff like that. You know, just keep going. <laughs> okay, as the father of four boys, I appreciate yeah. that direction because yeah. that is how life is. Exactly. Yeah, and he told the the. N- nanny uh you know just stop the kids from fighting and then you know you go go on with ski- scene and she's but they're not stopping fighting what what am i supposed to do so you know it's that mindset of, oh that's real yeah so that stuff was cool it's so very cool and there's I, another bit of trivia but i'll have to wait for spoilers the other thing i think i can say without spoilers is that the framing on this picture is so intentional and beautiful and Watching it again last night, I was so aware of what he was doing with the framing of the camera and the angles towards the edges and and just, you know, different objects in the foreground and background and just the different ways he's using. He, he there's, oh, I, I really can't talk about that scene. Are there any scenes I can talk about? Probably not, but I will, Probably not. But I will say this. This is a movie that rewards attention. And it's interesting to... To know that, and also that it's a movie that's on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know it what I mean. It does feel weird. It, it feels like because this is a movie that rewards you know close attention to detail on a platform where people are usually on a different screen. Now the yeah. good news is it's subtitled, so you kind of have to watch anyway if you want to know what they're saying. And I think that's to the movie's benefit in this case, especially because it keeps people locked into the visuals. That he's giving you, which are such a big part of what's going on. So I want to talk about this because for you particularly, it may feel different than for the rest of us sure. because you saw it in an environment originally where you're used to seeing these type of movies, you Correct. know, in right. a theater. For the rest of us, we're seeing this movie for the first time on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So we don't see it in a theater. It just Now felt... it is open in what 6 700 theaters across the country? Well, it has to be. Yeah. yeah. So for well, awards, no, it technically only had to be open in LA in for LA, like New York. a yeah. week or something like that. Yeah. Right, but they they decided to expand it. In fact, it's playing here locally. Did you know that? Is it like Moxie or yeah, something? Yeah, it's at the Moxie. Okay. So, you know, there there are places to see it. But no, I I continue with your your thought. Yeah, but it just feels like uh, there was another movie that came out on Netflix earlier this year, uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Sure. Where it felt like I missed a step. Totally. Like, I was supposed to see this movie in theaters, but now I'm watching on Netflix, and it makes me feel like uh, like a bad film fan <laughs> for like, oh man, I didn't see that in theaters. Oh wait, it wasn't in theaters. This is where, it's, it, this is where it is, and right. it's just, it just feels weird, and I assume... Uh, as time goes on and this happens more and more with Netflix or Hulu or Amazon, you know, the more this happens, 
it my mentality towards that will change but for right now we're in that transition period where we're getting these high caliber movies on netflix first yeah or day and date release is something they talk about a lot where if the idea of stuff is still going to be in theaters i mean this has been something even before netflix that people were talking about in the future release for home video would be the same as you know release for theater and you wouldn't have that theater window it just hasn't happened that way um and i don't know i i think there's i think the theater experience has some definite pros and some definite cons um but i think both can be experienced in their own way and i think it says something that a lot of people are enjoying this movie on their tvs you know, and the feedback I'm seeing from people is that, you know, that they're still catching these things and loving these things. I will say the one area that I worry most about is sound, and we haven't gone into detail with it. The The sound mix in this movie is so brilliant that it feels like this the environmental sound that's happening around you is happening in spaces in the theater. It, I mean, it's you can probably hear how good the sound mix is even in stereo. Yeah. But in Dolby Atmos... I've never heard anything. You know what it reminded me of? What? It reminded me of this this um, demonstration that they had at Epcot Center when I was a kid where you put on headphones and they did a 3D sound uh, example. And part of it, you were getting your hair cut and you could hear the scissors. Oh, yeah, that's called... The, um, what is it called? I thought it was just actual, 3D sound, but... No, there's an actual name for it. Uh, well, this is that's what watching Roma in Dolby Atmos reminded me of it was that real it just felt incredibly you know the the dogs barking or people there were times I thought somebody was talking behind me. holophonic is what it's called okay holophonic sounds there there were times I thought somebody was talking behind me because the sound was so clear yeah um and it's just I I'm in awe of this movie I'm in awe of the fact that Coron was his own DP in this movie so he did his own director of photography, and it's beautiful. There are shots in here. I have no idea how he timed them right, how he pulled them <laughs> off. Uh, although there was one that I could talk about in spoilers where I saw something that he possibly could have used for a for a cut in one of the you know one of kind of the longer one shots. Yeah, but it's so seamless and subtle that I had to be because I was actually paying attention during this scene because of how incredibly um, intense it is and long it is, and I just I, he's. He's an artist. He's an artist in, in I, I don't know what else, you know, how else to say it. Yeah. So. You can definitely feel it in this movie, Whew. for sure. Brilliant stuff. I cannot wait to talk spoilers about yeah. both of our movies. Yeah. Uh, so once you see them, check out the spoiler cast in this feed. We'll do one for Roma and one for Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. But we've got other things to talk about, Andrew. Yeah, we do. Before we get onto those, though, uh, how about some drunk Sif pop? Yeah. <laughs> Switch it up from Roma uh, to some drunk Sif Pop. Uh, a while ago, Andrew discovered that if he listened to Sif Pop at half speed, amazing things happened. Mm-hmm. And so was born drunk Sif <laughs> Pop. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we present to you Drunk Sif Pop, featuring Andrew and Aaron. Aaron, I don't know if you know this or not, but every single year there's this competition to find out who the best 
actor or the best actress or best show oh, yeah, is the, the uh, is Emise Emise. I think <laughs> is what it's called. No, you're thinking of the Sif Pop TV Awards. Yeah, that happens uh, beginning of September every year. On the horizon. (laughs) No, we're talking about the Emmys. The Emmy nominations are out. And uh, the big thing that I just wanted to hit on with the Emmy nominations. (laughs) Besides, you know, did you see anything that popped at you? Uh, For some reason, I feel like it's a done deal that Danson's got best actor in a comedy. (laughs) I'm just telling you, like, he's got the most goodwill I've ever seen. (laughs) Well, he knows everybody's name, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so great. How perfect to how perfect for it to be a bar joke. Yeah, exactly. Very nicely done. Well, there you go. There's your drunk sift pop. Uh, before we head on to your sift quest for this week, just a reminder that you can support sift pop at Patreon. If you want to be a sift pop member, you get a lot of fun perks, including bonus episodes to this show. Um, those come in your own podcast feed. Uh, as well as some other fun stuff, a monthly uh, hangout that I do with Sif Pop members, all that kind of fun stuff. So go check it out. It's at patreon.com slash Pop. And thank you for even considering supporting us. It means the world to us. So check that out again at patreon.com slash Pop. Uh, we've got a Sift Quest that I'm really going to enjoy talking about this week. This comes from Kevin, who says, any movies you know of that have been canceled, that you really would have liked to seen. So what movies are out there that you know of that have been canceled? Um, this is interesting because, like I said, I really only knew of a couple. But researching this was fascinating for me. So I have a few different categories of these things. But why don't we just go back and forth and, you know, we can just say the ones that we have. Yeah. So why don't you kick us off? There was actually a film that actually had a trailer released for it that was never released. Uh, it was called The Prototype. Okay. Uh, ironically, it was about a, a cyborg prototype, you know, AI mm-hmm. thing, and it escaped, and it was just trying to survive and hide from its creators. And I say ironic because it looked just like noir Spider-Man. <laughs> like, literally, it looked just like it. You can watch the trailer and everything. The trailer looked amazing. It had, uh, I think, Neil McDonough was in the movie. Everybody knows him for his iceberg eyes. Um, it looked really fun. Trailer came out in 2009, and the movie never came out. Wow. They canceled it. Yep. So if they had a trailer out... They had to have a lot of stuff fi- uh, filmed for it. Sometimes that stuff happens, man. A movie just gets shelved. Yeah. So uh, what's funny is uh, Movie Clips Trailers is the number one place on YouTube to watch the new movie trailers that come out. It is the fourth highest viewed movie trailer of all time on that channel right behind force awakens justice league and suicide squad wow and then it's prototype and it never came out 39 million views on that trailer never happened wow is that why it has so many views you think 
I don't know, honestly. Hmm. I don't know. That's really interesting. Yep. The first category I kind of went into were ones that started with a director but ended with a different director. Like, for instance, you could say Edgar Wright's Ant-Man. I was thinking Was Ant-Man. canceled. Yeah. You know, even though Ant-Man eventually came out, um, I really would have loved to have seen what Edgar Wright's version of that is in definitely in hindsight is you know, we've been talking about into the spider verse being so amazing. Yeah. Uh, Lord and Miller's solo. Um, the fact that I, I found solo pretty disappointing yeah. overall, I would have loved to have seen what their version would have been with carte blanche, you know, where they could just do whatever they want. Uh, that doesn't mean it would be better. I'm not even suggesting that. I'm just saying I would love to see it. Uh, so that was kind of my first category. And I guess the other one that, that popped into my head right away was, um, Terry Gilliam's Don Quixote, mm-hmm. but he's actually making that now and that's actually coming out. So it, I don't know that it qualifies anymore, um, as kind of in that category, but, but yeah, those were some I thought of, uh, right off the bat. What else you got? So Guillermo del Toro was going to direct Halo. Yeah. There's actually a lot of GDT movies that were in the pipeline that never happened. Yeah. Uh, Pinocchio. He's, yeah, he's kind of well. That one's still supposed to happen, I think. But actually, I think Tom Hanks was just announced to play Geppetto in that movie. Oh, fun! Yeah. But anyway, um, so he was supposed to direct Halo, you know, based on the video game, filmed a whole bunch for it, and then the studio—I can't remember which studio it was—said, uh, "We want you to go in a different direction with it," and he said, "No," <laughs> and they were like, "Fine, you can't do it." So he they has didn't a, bring in Ron, Ron Howard. They didn't bring in Ron Howard for that one. And so he said to his friend, Neil Blomkamp, I have all this footage from the Halo movie that's not going to happen. Do you want to use it for anything? And he said, sure, I can find something to use for. And so was born the movie District 9, which is ah, so crazy. Nice. Because that movie is so good. And yeah. to think that that initially was going to be Halo. That's, that's awesome. That's an interesting thought. Uh, another category is uh, Disney movies that just get dropped during the production oh, stage. Oh, yeah, like uh, Dumbo 2 is a really big one, or Chicken Little <laughs> um, 2. Yeah. Or Chicken... Was the it Chicken two, Little? Well, the two that came to mind for me, one's a Pixar movie. This is the only Pixar movie ever to get canceled, uh, which is Newt. Uh, there was a Pixar movie that was supposed to come out with Newt, uh, which was a salamander-type creature and a love story about how they were the last of their kind. Rumor is it was so close to Rio, the movie Rio, where the birds, mm-hmm. you know, are you know the last of their kind, that it just wasn't going to work, um, and so they they moved on. What's interesting about that one and this next one that I'm going to talk about, the other Disney movie uh, called Gigantic, that was supposed to come out, it was supposed to be a Jack and the Beanstalk, yeah, story, and they dropped. What's interesting about these movies is there's already Easter eggs in other existing movies. That reference them, you know, because <laughs> Pixar always has their upcoming movies in the previous movie. Yeah. So there's, you know, Newt Crossing and Toy Story 3 is a sign in, you know, the background. And the during uh, Zootopia, there's a, do you remember the uh, bootleg DVD seller? And it had all the different Zootopia versions of famous Disney movies. Like Wreck-It Rhino. Oh, in, Wreck-It the movie, Rhino. in the movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Wreck-It Rhino. Meowana, yeah, uh, floats in too. Uh, well, one of them was giraffic instead of gigantic. Huh. Uh, so it's just in, it's just funny for me to see like it was. There's already Easter eggs to movies that don't exist because they got dropped during production. So yeah, I thought that's cool. <laughs> and honestly, I would I would love to see both those movies. I'd love to see Gigantic and Newton just kind of see what they were thinking with those. But I guess cooler heads prevailed, and you know, I, I actually have a lot of respect for people who are willing to. 
pull the plug on something when they've spent a lot of money on it um, and not force it, mm-hmm. knowing that the story's not there. Of course, that could also be a financial decision where they're like, we're not going to spend a bunch more money on something that's not going to make it back. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the math that you're doing. Uh, what else did you find? Uh, Darren Aronofsky, we know him from making movies like... Uh uh, Mo, I was about to say Moses, but no, that's wrong. He made the bad <laughs> Noah. Noah. He also made Mother, and he also did. The, well, the first mistake was naming it the bad Noah. That they they probably should have just gone with Noah. Yeah, instead the of bad the bad Noah. Noah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they were setting themselves up right, for disaster. Exactly. Uh, uh, Requiem for a Dream is his big one. That and Black Swan. Mm-hmm. You know, but he was supposed to direct a Batman movie. He was supposed to direct was. Batman Year One. This was before Christopher Nolan had his hands on yeah. Batman, even and mm-hmm. and a lot of the darkness that in the Nolan stuff is doing is kind of along the same lines as, you know, what Aronofsky was, was thinking, but he's another one where they were like, eh, we don't want to go this way. And he was like, well, then I'm out. Yeah. Kind of like, a uh, Fukunaga or Carrie Fukunaga is supposed mm-hmm. to do it. And, uh, he wanted to go in a different direction. And so they went in the other direction. I'm curious to see what his was like, because I love, the newest it movie i think it's a great masterpiece in horror which i isn't i like it more because i hate horror and it's a horror movie i actually do love so maybe (laughs) there's a little bit more than i really should like that movie it is interesting though to think of like just wanting these movies to be real just so you can see them you know but unfortunately you're not they're not gonna make them yeah like (laughs) the nick cage superman movie sure that's another great example yeah I just want it because I think that movie would be hilarious. <laughs> I, I mean, if you've seen the pictures of Nick Cage in the Superman mm-hmm. outfit. Truth, justice, and the American way. They were definitely making a choice. Yeah. Uh, let's go with this one next. The cheapest Muppet movie ever made. Have you heard about this one? No. Here's the idea behind the cheapest Muppet movie ever made. The <laughs> idea being that this was a film that Gonzo directed. Kermit was too busy, so when Gonzo asked, Kermit said, sure, go ahead. I can't take on the responsibilities behind the scenes at this time, but I'll be in it. So Gonzo wrote this cheesy, terrible plot that made absolutely no sense whatsoever about something being stolen that led to a chase around the world. Unfortunately, Gonzo blows half the movie's budget on the opening titles, so the film progress as the film progresses, it gets cheaper and cheaper, where they're using a shot of the same street corner for every city in the world. We were still talking about this project in the last meeting I ended up having with Jim. So the idea is that it would get worse and worse and by the end it was just like printed on paper and, and different things like this. That actually sounds incredible. It sounds great. It sounds incredible. Right? How is this movie not made? Yeah. Uh, ironically, I think the reason it didn't get made is because they couldn't get the budget for it. Yeah. <laughs> which is, That's hilarious. Which is hilarious. So that was another one I found that I really liked. Did you have any others? No, uh, just, you know, the Ones that everybody's already heard of, but sure, yeah. Here are a couple more. I think I've got three more that I want to mention here. There's a whole bunch of like Disney movies that never got made, sequels like Dumbo 2 and stuff like that. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was looking at producing The Ballad of Richard Jewell. Now, there is still some rumor that this might happen down the road. Jonah Hill was going to star in it. This is about um, the Oklahoma City, not the Oklahoma City, I'm sorry, the Olympic bombing in Atlanta, mm-hmm. where Richard Jewell noticed something was off and started getting people out of the way. And basically, after that, the FBI needed somebody to stick it on. And so they they started to suspect him and that he had set it up and then was just getting people out of the way to play the hero for something that he did himself. Turns out that is not true, but his name has never really been cleared in any kind of 
good way. And so he's suing the FBI, that kind of stuff. It's a fascinating story. It would make a great movie. Um, but for whatever reason, they just haven't been able to get it off the ground. So I thought that one was interesting. And then uh, David Fincher's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Oh, yeah. Have you heard of this one? Actually, no. This this sounded really interesting to me again. He says it might still happen at some point. And that was a problem I kept running into with movies like them saying, yeah, well, they we always may not leave the door it. open, but yeah. I highly doubt you're going to see any of these. Uh, when talking about it, he says, dude, it was cool. It was smart and crazy, entertaining with the Nautilus crew fighting every kind of gigantic Ray Harryhausen thing. But it also had this riptide to it. We were doing kind of an Osama bin Nemo thing uh, where a Middle Eastern prince from a wealthy family uh, who has decided that white imperialism is evil and should be resisted. Uh, so he had kind of this Fincherian twist uh, on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Fincherian candidate? That's yeah. something like that. Uh, so anyways, yeah. So I, I just I get fascinated by directors thinking big and interesting with these kind of things. And, yeah. you know, to have all that visual action amidst this weird, you know, psychological terror thriller kind of thing could be really interesting. Yeah. Did you so, ever hear about the Vin Diesel Hannibal movie? No. Not Hannibal Lecter, Hannibal the Conqueror. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So uh, Vin Diesel for, like, ever wanted to do uh, Hannibal and the Elephant Army taking on Rome, mm-hmm. like, going over the Alps and everything. And uh, he was raising money, raising money for, like, every single Fast and the Furious movie he did. He would put money aside to make this Hannibal movie, but it just never happened. And hmm. it's a shame because I think it would have been really cool. It's tough to get a movie made, man. Yeah. That's the thing I learned. There's movies that I'm curious, like, I know this isn't the topic, but how has this movie not been made? Like, biopics for, like, historical figures and sure. stuff. Like, how has that not been made? Yeah. Like, how has there never been a George Washington movie, you know? Yeah. Seriously. Or, like, a Nikola Tesla movie would be really fun, too. Yeah. I mean, we've got the prestige, but... <laughs> it's close enough. Close I'll, enough. T- I'll take my Dowie Tesla or <laughs> Bowie right. Tesla. Uh, this is my final one, and possibly the one if I could, if I had to choose one to will into existence right now, this would be the one. Charlie Kaufman uh, had a movie called Frank or Francis that fell apart. It already had signed on Jack Black, Nicolas Cage, Steve Carell, Elizabeth Banks, Kevin Klein, Catherine Keener. And Paul Rubens were already signed in on board. They were already doing pre-production. And basically, this movie would have been a Hollywood set tale about a pretentious filmmaker and his online nemesis with characters including a fat suit wearing comedian who is also known as the MC uh, and Richard's Head, a super whiz computer brain program to write hit screenplays. So this sounds so beautifully Kaufman, you know? Oh, yeah. I just... I just, I want this movie. I want to know what this movie would have been. Um, Man loves meta. He says it's pretty bonkers on paper, you think? But with that cast, uh, it could probably get made. Um, A few years back, uh, Black revealed, uh, I'm guessing Jack Black revealed that money was holding it up. Uh, We're just about $10 million shy of the cost to make it. So if anyone out there has a cool 10 mil, this thing can happen. Uh, It didn't happen, and he went on to do Anomalisa instead so that's a shame because i hate that movie <laughs> so there's still time yep. there's still time to crowdfund it or something i want to see frank or francis yeah uh 
Anyways, it's a kind of a bummer of a topic, actually. So bad. <laughs> I Too see bad, these so movies. sad. You know, the good news is sometimes amazing movies do get made. You know, got to think about the ones that, I mean, think if the original Star Wars had been canceled before it ever saw screens. Think how different the world would be. You know what I mean? It's crazy to think of that stuff, isn't it? It is. Because it's not like that was a given that it was going to be a huge pop culture hit. Yeah. It just, it did. It worked. And for whatever reason... That movie is made, and well, other space movies opera aren't. movies up until that point were terrible. Right. So, well, there you go. Uh, thank you for that question, Kevin. Thanks for sending us on that Sift Quest. If you've got a Sift Quest to send us on, all you got to do is hit us up at feedback at siftpop.com. Just email us there or hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Aaron Dicer. He is at Flick Freaks. We would love to hear from you. My DMs are open, by the way, in case your question takes longer than the character limit that they have at Twitter. Uh, let's finish off with some buried treasure, my friend. Okay, I'll let you go first. Uh, I have to... This has already been a buried treasure. Okay. But it's back, and now that I'm done watching movies, I have caught up on the season. I Only two I haven't seen aired last night. I just haven't seen them yet. Uh, Room 104. Oh, yeah. I still haven't started just it yet. Just got to remind people that there is an anthology series on HBO that done by the Duplasses that is uh, occasionally brilliant, and occasionally awful. <laughs> like, but that's what you get with anthology a lot of times, right? Yeah. Some of them I mean, work. there's some black, bad Black Mirror episodes. The very first I think, episode of Black Mirror is pretty bad. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. Uh, <laughs> there are some of these episodes this season that I just, I'm like, I'm so glad this show exists. Because it just, it gives them, it says, here's a hotel room. If you don't know the premise, every episode takes place entirely in this one hotel room. And then they, within those parameters, there's so many different things that they're doing here. And so many of them are great. Some of them are strange. And some of them are, are awful. And also, <laughs> no, it's on HBO. So some of them are very inappropriate. Um, <laughs> it is so, a hotel room. It is a hotel room after all. Um, so it is, it is definitely one of those shows that I just, I'm a sucker for anthology. And I wanted to remind people. If you haven't seen One Room 104 and it sounds like something you might enjoy, don't forget it's out there. Nope. What nice. do you got? You know I'm a DC fan. I do know that. Uh, a movie that came out a long time ago people don't realize is a DC movie that I think doesn't get enough credit for being as good as it is. Constantine, the Keanu Reeves movie. Yeah? I like that movie a lot. And uh, I it popped up on my Netflix queue, or Netflix recommended. I'm like, oh, yeah, that movie. I really like it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm re-recommending it. It's really different from the, um, the comics because it's based more in Catholicism, whereas the comics are like a really open i guess i could say like it's based more in supernatural stuff mm. that takes place around the world you know different mm -hmm. religions and mythologies and stuff like that and also uh he's british in the uh <laughs> comic books and keanu reeves is not british. He is, no he's not no nope. he knows kung fu though <laughs> did you know that i i did know that yeah yeah he also travels in time yeah stoner buddy friend yeah saving the oh world. man i can't wait for the new one it looks so fun yeah, I haven't. I mean, obviously, haven't seen anything from it, but I, I mean, all I've seen is like you know the the plot premise and stuff like that, and like set photos. Like, do you know the plot premise of the next one? No, can I guess? Yeah. Okay, so if I remember correctly, 
Bill and Ted are supposed to write a song mm-hmm. that's going to save the world. It yeah. has to be about writing that song. Yeah. Has to be. It is. Okay. Yeah. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. The, it, the plot is that it's 2019 or whatever, and they still haven't written the song to save the world. Oh, so there's pressure. Yeah. There's pressure. Like, why haven't we written the song? Like, well, that's actually genius. I love that. Yeah. That's great. I love it when I love it when there's a nostalgia bring back yeah. that actually makes sense to me. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that it's not like forced. The plot doesn't feel forced. It feels natural. That feels like a natural extension of yeah. that universe. So mm-hmm. I think I'm I'm stoked. I'm so happy. <laughs> excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Be excellent to each other. That's right. I have a t-shirt that says that. I should I should wear that more often. Uh, uh yeah, that's it. We did it, man. Woo! We we did a podcast. We talked about a lot of things. Today. We talked about stuff and such and things and such. Mm-hmm. It was a good time had by all. Oh yes. Thanks so much for joining us today on Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player of choice. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out with me again today. Thanks, buddy. You got anything you want to plug? Any Anywhere you want to send people? Head over to them internets and find me there. You can find me at, at Flick Freaks at a lot of social medias. Uh... Yeah, I don't post on the regular, but when I do, I try and make it funny or relevant. Oh, they found the Lost City of Atlanta, so I'll plug that. There we go. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Good for people. Uh, you can find me at Aaron Dicer on the social medias. Much love and gratitude to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at three bucks a month, and you get access to every bonus episode ever, as well as some other fun perks, including a monthly video hangout. Also, your support will be directly helping Sif Pop expand in 2019 to some fun new areas. You can find out more at patreon.com slash Pop. Lots of ways to connect with the podcast. You can comment, rate, or leave a review at iTunes. Or you can email us at feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like it too, so let them know about it, and that listening is much easier than stealing a bagel from villain headquarters. <laughs> we'll be back uh, next week with maybe a threefer. <sighs> maybe a threefer, uh, because we've got Bumblebee. Poppins. Aquaman. Yeah. And Poppins. Yeah. I feel like we need to talk about all three of those. I could do without Bumblebee. <laughs> That's just me. All right. We'll see what happens, but we've definitely got a lot to talk about next week. Yeah. Uh, and don't forget, spoiler cast for the two movies we talked about today should be up next in your podcast feed. And we'll see you back next week. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. This is very exciting. It was a little bit Marvin the Martian, wasn't it? You make me very angry. You make me very angry indeed. Just a little bit there. He was always my favorite Looney Tune, by the way. Marvin was? Yeah. Eh. Well, how about that? Yep. Mine, my favorite Looney Tune was probably, uh, in hindsight, a bit racist. Oh, I'm going to guess Speedy Gonzalez. Yeah. Yeah. For whatever reason... You know, that was, I always thought that was great. Andale, andale, riba, yeah. riba. And in hindsight, you know, it's just like, oh, look at all those stereotypes. Well, Pepe Le Pew is a rapist, so. I'm sorry, what? Pepe Le Pew. The... Well, he was, yes, correct. Yes, Pepe Le Pew did not survive the Me Too movement. That no. Is, that is for sure. <laughs> that is 100% for sure. All that's bonus content, Phil. Yeah. Feel free to stick that in as a- <laughs>
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.